0: Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview.
1: Hi, well, welcome everybody to my Walk with Jesus podcast. So I'm very excited today to have a fellow sister in Christ name is Deborah, who's going to be sharing her own testimony with us today. So hi Deborah. how are you today? Hi Stephanie I'm doing well how are you? I'm well thank you. Well thank you for taking the time to jump on this podcast with with me today and to share your testimony. So I'm sure everyone will be excited to hear what you have to share with us. So of course. So I guess um Just for our viewers out there, could you share how you came to know about Jesus Christ?
0: Well, I guess I grew up in a Christian home, so I don't really remember a time when I didn't know that God existed. I mean, my parents would often talk about God and they would say, God told me this or, you know, things like that, where to me as a little child, I'm talking three, four years old. I knew that God existed or like I believe that God existed and he was like a very distant relative who lived in a place called heaven. I had other relatives who I had never met who lived in a place called Chicago. I would never been there. So it was very easy for me to believe that God existed. So I, I don't really remember a time when I didn't believe that, but of course I had to have my own experience with God and I think that happened for me at a fairly early age and I remember the story actually because I was maybe five or six years old and I had a favorite sweater. I mean we, we were very poor growing up and so this sweater was the very first sweater that I remember having that was bought new for me. Most of my clothes were hand-me-downs from my six older sisters, so this sweater my mom had bought it on the clearance table just for me, and I loved that thing. I mean, I was like Joseph and his coat of many colors into that sweater. I wanted to wear it every single day, and so I somehow lost the sweater, and I was distraught. I looked for it for a couple of days on the school bus at school. And then I remembered that at some point in Sunday school when my parents had told me that if you ever needed help with something and your parents couldn't help you, that you could pray and God would hear you and that he would help you. And the minute they told me that in my little mind, I guess being a science kind of person, I was thinking, I'm going to try that. And so (laughs) that was the time it came back to me. I said, I'm going to try praying. And I'm gonna see if God can hear me. And so I said a little prayer and said, God, can you help me find my sweater? And I remember hearing, I, I won't say it was an audible voice, but a thought that was so clear. And it said, look in the box behind the bed. We were very poor. So we kept a lot of our clothes in a big like appliance cardboard box. And I was thinking, I've already looked there, but in my mind it's the test. So I said, I'm going to go and look. And not only because I didn't just hear it, but I almost saw an image of what Mm -hmm. being told to me. So I ran to the box, you know, kind of halfway believing and halfway not sure because I knew I had looked there. And lo and behold, I looked in the corner of the box and there was my sweater. that was just mind-blowing to me. I mean, I'm again, I was maybe five, and I was thinking, God really exists. He really can hear me when I pray, even though, you know, I was in the room by myself, He really could hear me, and he really can't answer. And I think that's when I God became very real to me personally. And as a small child, I've always kind of been a little bit of an introvert. But as a small child, my favorite thing to do after that experience was talk to God. And so I never got in a lot of trouble, but the one thing I would get into trouble about was wandering off because I would just wander off and find a quiet place and talk to God. I mean, as a little child, I mean, so God was very real to me in in that way growing up. And of course, you know, I learned a lot more about God as I got uh-huh. old, but that very first experience was life-changing for me. So I, I wonder if I was baptized at a fairly young age, um, and some of my, you know, family said that they didn't really understand what they were doing when they were baptized. I did, though. I mean, obviously, I don't, didn't understand as much as I do now, but I understood that Jesus died for me. I understood that I was a sinner, and I needed help, and that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, and I think that's the basis of the gospel messages, all we really need to understand, um, and that I wanted to give my life to Jesus,
1: so um, that happened at an early age. And I think that's a really quite a beautiful story that you actually share, is that you, you knew, and you you had a very personal relationship with him like you knew that he knew you and you knew what you needed to know about Jesus you knew that he died for you that he loved you and I think that that's I think what makes a relationship with him so powerful is when you begin to understand who he is I think it's one thing to know about Jesus and to read about him but Mm -hmm. to really know him like to know him And to talk with him, to walk with him, is a whole different thing than just to know about him. And I think what you touched upon as a child, and that's amazing, that as a child to have that experience, I think that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I that's a, such a great story I love that uh, i you know sadly for me i didn't i didn't learn meet god you know get close to God until later in my life but i I think that's so encouraging to hear you know such a beautiful story of your moment with god
0: now, and i'm not saying that i didn't have other times where you know God mm-hmm. where are you those kinds of questions but I think as a small child it was i didn't have the the number of doubts that mm-hmm. made um uh, I might have had or later in life.
1: So I guess the next question is, which kind of plays on that first question, is um, why do you love Jesus Christ? And you touched a, up on a little bit of the gospel message, but can you go in a little bit more depth about that?
0: Sure. So as I mentioned, I understood from a young age or that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I guess I should say, though, that my first image of God was really more of God the Father. I'm a daddy's girl. So that resonated quickly with me. So my image of God was basically like a really gigantic version of my dad sitting on a big chair. I mean, it was always a big chair, so... (laughs) Sitting on a big chair, and so I, the the idea that he loved me I, and all of that came naturally. And I would always imagine in my mind Jesus sort of standing next to him. Um, And I would I remember that when I would talk to God, I would talk to God, and then I would say something like, "Oh Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm so sorry that the people were so mean to you, and things like oh, that." Oh, so, that's so you know? sweet. And so it wasn't until I got older and really began to learn and able to read the Bible for myself, that understanding that the Father and Jesus are one in terms of purpose and in terms of character and that they both love me. And then coming to an understanding of who Jesus was and what he has done for us, not just on the cross, but even at his resurrection, that he prayed for us while we were on the earth, he prayed for believers and understanding that he is our mediator in heaven and that he's helping us. Those kinds of things were really impactful for me that it wasn't just a one-time death on the cross, which it was huge in and of itself and life-changing in and of itself, but the idea that Jesus is with me from day to day and that he's helping me from day to day, interceding for me so that is really why I have come to love all members of the Godhead including Jesus because of that personal relationship
1: and and I like how you touched up on that you know there's there's so many attributes of it and um it kind of reminds me like when you read and to when you start to read the word and I think one of the things that really touched up on it was, you know, recognizing that when Jesus came, we we have someone who understands the pain we go through. You know, He came as man, and He was, you know, He was faced with temptations just as we are. He knows our infirmities. He knows what struggles we're going to go through, and I think that's what makes it so much more powerful: is that we have someone who gets it because he was on earth too. And he understands the pain we're going to go through and he understands the struggle we go through. And I think that that's what makes it even more compelling when we read it. And yeah. I even like today, I think I was reading in Hebrews and it was, you know, you start to read about Jesus, you know, what Jesus said, and you're just like, wow, it's, it hits you every time. And you're just like, yep, it's quite exactly. powerful. I mean, who better to
0: intercede for us than someone who's walked on the earth and walked in our shoes and understands
1: the temptation and So. Yeah. exactly who will be who's the best advocate for us the one who can understand us exactly exactly could you share moments in your own life where you knew God was helping or leading or answering your prayers I know you touched up on some of that as a child but other areas in your life where um, you knew that that was also happening again Wow, my whole life? I mean, or, you know, maybe some points that you probably think were maybe some big ones for you that stand out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think growing up the, the way I did, I, I felt that God was leading me the, the whole way. But if I think about, you know, looking back at some of the major points, I think uh, early on as a child, for some, I always was had more of a spiritual leaning. I was open to spiritual things. And even as a young child, I was interested in things, spiritual things and things at the church. So I remember being about maybe 12 or 13 and God just impressed me to start a choir because there were a bunch of young people at our church and we wanted to have a choir. So I thought, I I can't sing. A lot of my siblings can sing, but the gift that I had was more administration and so God helped me use that to gather the you know the kids up and try to find an adult to be our director and things like that and start a choir so that that was one of the things and that choir is still singing today at, at that church uh-huh. uh, of course everybody's gotten much much older <laughs> but that was one example um in school I think um, trying to select the right college and helping me with assignments. I think about that all the time where uh, if I was pressed for time, somehow God would always help me uh, with tests to the point where sometimes it would seem like I would almost get like an image of the textbook and I could almost read the answer. You know what I mean? That if when I would pray, God would answer. And I just thought that was the most incredible thing. And I guess later in life, I, after when I was in graduate school I in Austin, I had the experience kind of like Abraham where God just said, move to Dallas. And I thought, why would I move to Dallas? You know what I mean? So that was, it, was, it seemed kind of crazy because I was studying chemistry and I kind of argued with God, like, God, there's no chemical industry in Dallas. I mean, if I'm going to move anywhere, it should be Houston. That's where the chemical companies are. But there was something just urging me, move to Dallas, move to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. I mean, like, almost like, okay, God, you know, since you won't leave me alone. And that's kind of the, almost the point I had reached. Then I said, okay, if I'm going to move to Dallas, these are the things that I want. I want, you know... a an older, established company with X number of, em- of employees, not a little startup company. I need to make this kind of money, and I want this kind of job. And I just made this list, almost that I thought was kind of impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I prayed, and I put the list in front of God. And so I went through. So God said, "I said, well, you know, you have to can't. You have to have faith and work. So I have to do something." <laughs> So I went onto the internet and I just Googled companies that met this criteria, that had these many employees and have been in business this long, X, Y, Z. Um, and I just start call, started calling them. And so I started at the top. Well, actually I didn't start at the top. I went, instead of starting at the top, I went down the list and I looked at the first, the only chemical company that was on that list in the top 10 or 15. I called that. Mm, I didn't, wasn't impressed. So the spirit just said, start at the top of the list. This is what you said you wanted. Start at the top of the list. Because I had them all prioritized. I'm one of those, <laughs> like, you know, everything's a spreadsheet and prioritized. So I started at the top of the list. And then I went to the top of the list and I just called them up and said, hey, my name is Deborah. This is what I do. Do you need somebody to do this? And the person on the other end of the line literally screamed. And she was like, I can't believe this. I just got out of a meeting where oh, wow. asking for someone with these exact criteria.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And she,
0: and she said, can you come up for an interview? And, and that was the rest of the story is I got that job. So that was another time that I just knew that God was leading. So there were so many times like that
1: you take that leap of faith, you know, when he, when he said something, you know, listening to him, he, he does know what's best for us. And so he pays attention and he cares, cares about us. So I think that that's amazing. And you know, that he cared so much and he knows what matters to you, your best interest. He wants to take care of you. And so, and listening to him, you know, listening to him saying, Hey, look, here you go.
0: And it's so <laughs> interesting that I lived in Dallas for seven years to the day and during that and then I came you know I'm in the Houston area now so that was like wow I mean that I don't know any other explanation except God told me to do it and it was a wonderful seven years I learned a lot while I was there
1: that's amazing so another question would be um Sorry, I lost where I was. <laughs> in your walk with Jesus Christ, what have you learned? And what have you seen about yourself that is different now than where you were in another point in your life that maybe where you weren't as committed to God?
0: Right. So, oh, wow. What have I learned? I think I've definitely grown a lot in grace. And I think. What I have learned is that God truly knows everything. I mean, I've had to relearn that so many times, but whenever I have an issue, I've learned to go to God. And when I don't do that first, I usually suffer unnecessarily um, or learn things the hard way. So I think that's the main thing that I've learned. I mean, I've definitely had my ups and downs but I think most often learning to seek God's direction when I'm faced with a, it's particularly a major decision is to not trust my own instincts and my own intellect, but to really go to God and say, God, what do you want? And trusting that that's the best thing for me. I mean, again, I struggle with that. I mean, sometimes I get what I think is the answer and go, okay, God, let me pray again because I don't like that one, but ultimately, going back to that understanding that God knows what's best and trusting that he has my best interest at heart. I think that's one of the main things that I've learned and that pretty much the Bible has counsel for whatever situation you're facing. Uh And trust, read read the Bible, trust the Bible, um, that it is inspired and that through the Bible, God can speak to you and give you inspiration for what to do next. I mean, I have just learned that so many times where I'm faced with a situation that I read something and it's like, the answer just jumps off the page that, oh, okay, this is what I've been praying about. Um, that happens to me a lot as well.
1: I've had moments like that or like, I've learned too that um, sometimes when I open the Bible in the mornings, when I have my, moment, my time with him, And I've learned that lots of times where I land, where I open is where we're meant to start the day because he's telling me this is, there's something important that I need to grasp there. And lots of times it's incredible where it's a a lesson I need to learn, where it's humility sometimes, where I need to be humbled or um, I struggle with patience. So learning how to be patient. And so there's, there's these things that we're working through and learning or, Sometimes he's kind enough to. I had a lot of questions, and so he provides the answers. Oh, remember that question you asked a few days ago? Here's the answer right here in scripture. It's right here. (laughs) So, so you know, there's. I think that that to me has always been very, and that's why, like I, I strongly, you know, as you say, tell people, you know, turning to the Word, because His Word will speak to you. It is that's why it says it's alive, you know, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It does speak to us and it's meant to speak to us. It knows, it discerns, it knows exactly what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and it knows how to reach us. So.
0: Exactly. I think some of the things that I still struggle um, is patience. Uh, I'm one of those go-getter kind of people and I kind of like things to happen
1: my family will tell you, I mean, I kind of like I like that too, I'm like, now? like.
0: <laughs> I will say, um, and trying to learn patience and, and letting God choose the timing is something uh-huh. that I am still trying to learn. And, you know, and, but one thing I have learned, you mentioned prayer, is being able to tell God exactly how I feel. When I'm frustrated, just just say, God, I'm frustrated. I, you know, what are you doing? You know I mean? To have those very sincere conversations with God and to talk to God as he, as though he's a friend, that I think has been one of the most life-changing parts of my relationship. I think when I hit a point in my life where I kind of got angry with God during the time I was getting divorced, I kind of got angry with God. But I felt like, who am I to say to God that I'm angry? I mean, I can't say that. And then when I finally reached that point of realizing, well, God knows what I'm thinking anyway. I may as well talk to him. That really made a huge difference to know that there is nothing that I need to hide or can hide from God. That really helps me a lot in my relationship is to say, no matter what it is, I can talk to God. He can handle my difficult questions. He can handle my complaining. He can handle all of that uh, and help me through it. So, But it doesn't help when, we tr- when I try to hide how I'm feeling from God. That only delays healing and delays moving forward.
1: It was actually one of the first lessons I learned with God was um, he brought it to my attention that if I wasn't being, full, fool- if I wasn't telling him how I really felt, I was being a liar to him. And he, one time I was praying to him and he knew that something was bothering me and I wouldn't talk about it. And it was like one of those words where you said as a child where you heard something and it said, do you really love me? Mm-hmm. And I heard that and it like gutted me. And I was, I would probably say I was three months like a new Christian, like three months in. And it was like, I heard that voice say that. And I said, yes, I do. And then I realized that I was not being fully forthcoming on how I felt. And I realized that there were things bothering me And I said, why am I not telling him? Mm -hmm. And then it was like obvious as to why he said what he said. And then it was like, that was the first lesson I learned about being open and honest in that relationship with him. And like you said, you know, you have to tell him all. And if you're, if you don't understand, say, I don't understand, help me get it. I don't understand. (laughs) Cause he doesn't want you to not understand or like, uh, one thing that i you know struggle with is if i i don't want to be angry I'm like lord help me to love this person but i'm having a difficult time teach me how to love this person and not have this take root you know be a bitter root inside my heart and that's something where he helps me but it's like i that's something i'm learning right like taking what his word says but like you said that you know being honest with him like i need help because i don't know how to do this (laughs) like (laughs) but i'm being honest with you like uh, there's a barrier here help me get there and so you know but you have to tell him he knows it
0: but he (laughs) wants to hear it
1: from our mouths (laughs)
0: exactly and that that just removing that glass ceiling or that that wall that's there in terms of open communication, is so important. Yeah, yeah, and and I think one other thing that I'm still working on a lot <laughs> is trying to see people the way God sees people. Um, my life has been a little bit, I guess, sheltered because <laughs> I have this huge family, and so most a lot of my social interaction can be right just within my family. Um, so. Sometimes, you know, I just think people should think like I think, or, you know, or, and I realized that they don't. And sometimes in the past, that would really frustrate me because I would just think, well, this seems obvious to me. Everybody should think this way. But then I thought about how much God values our free will to the point that he would allow his own creation to not accept him if that's what we choose. And so thinking about that, how could I not allow other people to have their free will? And so if God sees them as free moral agents, even if I don't agree, God allows them to make their own decisions, even if he doesn't agree. And even if it's not what he wants, that was such a powerful thought to me. And it made me, or it's making me, I'm not there yet by a long shot, but it's yeah. making me feel more accepting of people and, and accepting people where they are, as opposed to, you know, being frustrated that, okay, why don't they see this the way that I see it? And so that that's something that I'm still working with.
1: It kind of, uh, there was once a, a gentleman, I heard him on like a podcast, he's a preacher, but um, he made a comment that he says, you know, to understand where, you know, one thing that was powerful to him when he read what Jesus had say is that he loved this, the person, but he hated the sin, but he loved the person. And so he was loving that person past that sin. And so I think for, you know, it's powerful for me to, you know, try to see past that because it is easy to be like, easily frustrated with someone like why don't they get it and you're you want to help them and so trying to love them and to you know I uh, like what you said and ask um, I've been asking the father to you know show me to have grace through this extend your grace and work your grace through me so that I can learn how to love them the way you do to speak with love in those interactions or you know so people will you know, I, I don't want to cause a stumbling block to someone else because I misrepresent you by my judgment or by my interactions with them. So like you said, I mean, that, that to me is probably one of the, it's a hard one because I do, you know, I'm very excited about Jesus, but at times too, it can be, you want what's best for people, but sometimes it is in our, our human side of us, our natural side of us, I guess you could say our carnal side gets, it's easily frustrated. Like, ah, why don't you get it? <laughs> so
0: exactly. yeah. thank God he doesn't just deal with me based on my behavior.
1: <laughs> so, exactly. He sees, he sees me past that. And that's <laughs> what I hope to see other people pass that. Like they're what they can be in with Christ, right? Who they are with Christ. So, okay. So what are some trials and tribulations that you have faced for your faith?
0: So, yeah, when I think about trials and tribulations, I, I almost hesitate to compare anything that I've been through to what is real persecution that happening in the rest of the world. So I want to first say that uh, because I do know that there are people who are truly being persecuted for their faith. But I mean, I've had my episodes, particularly particularly when I was married. Uh, My ex-husband went through a period where he got angry with the church leadership. And so he didn't want to go to church and he didn't want me to go to church. And that was very difficult for me. And, And I would probably say for a period of almost six months, I rarely went to church. I would try to watch it on television or things like that. And, but my relationship with Jesus was really suffering. I believe that you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as it says in scripture. So I was really struggling with that. And I reached the point where I had to begin to remember we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So I had to look past my ex-husband or husband at that time. And say, I really, this is the force of evil trying to cut me off from my support system, trying to keep me from hearing the word of God uh, as much as I could or or to learn as much as I could to have fellowship with like-minded believers. And this is not good for me. And so I reached the point where I said, this is getting to the point that if I don't stand up, and say, I need to go to church, I'm going to church, that this will be detrimental for me spiritually. And for so for the first week, you know, I got ready to go to church. He left in the car, we only had one car. So he left in the car so that I couldn't go. So I was really, really frustrated with that. So I thought, well, next week, let's not make the same mistake. I got up early and the intent of my heart was, if I have to walk every step of the way to church, I am going today. And I remember that that, that week, he knew that I had made up in my mind that there was going to be confrontation. Mm-hmm. So that morning he had his pistol and basically put it, I and mean, he literally put it to my head and said, Oh, wow. If you, if you walk out this door, I will, I'm going to shoot you. And I'm I didn't know what else to do. I said, well, you're going to have to shoot me in the back because I'm going today. I'm, I'm not, I mean, again, I'm wrestling. again. I, I was at the point where I'm truly willing to die because I felt like if I don't break this, slight, this bondage, this is what I felt as it was. If I don't break this bondage, I'm going to die anyway. So I have to leave today. And I did. I, I walked out the door and I was fully prepared to feel a shot in the back. Um, and it didn't happen. And that went on for, I think, two two to three weeks that I went to church with a gun, you know, pointed. And after a while, I just said, you know, if you do what you're going to have to do, but I need to do what I have to do and I need to go to church. So um, that was probably the closest thing I faced to real tribulation trials. Um, But certainly, there were things relating to Sabbath keeping. When I was in school, particularly graduate school, there were a lot of assignments that were group assignments, and people knew that I kept Sabbath. And so, there were some people who said, oh, you know, you can't, don't get her, don't have her on your team because she can't meet or won't meet on Sabbath. And, you know, doubt they had their the right to say that Mm -hmm. Uh, but there after the first semester of that the people who were on my team in the various teams in the various classes because almost all of the assignments were group assignments they began to realize there's something about this Mm -hmm. because I didn't go from from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday I didn't participate in any of the group activities And usually on Saturday nights, there was about an hour after sunset before the library would close. And so I would go to the library uh, and I would look up all the articles and print them and then take them home and read and study and prepare my assignments because I would meet with them on Sunday. And week after week, what would happen was not only would I find everything that I needed for my portion of the assignment, but I would also find things for everyone else's on the team. And I would go into to the on Sunday. Most of the time I had finished my part of the assignment. And I would say, oh, by the way, I found this for you, you and you. And they were like, how did you do that? I was at the library all day yesterday and I didn't find any of this. And I'm going, I just did what God said. <laughs> you know? And so by the end of the I was in the MBA program at that time. By the end of the program anytime somebody would say, oh, she can't come on Saturday, there would be someone else who say, oh, no, I've been on a team with her. Don't worry about that Sabbath. She's going to, she's going to, that's going to be a blessing. And I didn't even have to defend it anymore. So that was, I guess, you could say a little bit of a trial, that God worked out as a testimony, actually. Uh, I had that happen many times at work. Um, there was different times where I would have, say, you know, I can't come uh, or whatever. And God always worked it out. I mean, I, I never felt like I really suffered because God turned that trial into a testimony.
1: I think sometimes what, you know, I've, I've sort of read this uh, and heard from other people who have gone through situations is that usually our trials are meant to show others And it's usually, you know, while we're learning something in the process, sometimes it's other for others to see too, like it's a powerful testimony for him, like his power is working and people can see something amazing through that process. And so I think it's, you know, while it may not seem it at the time, sometimes we don't realize that there's something bigger going on than we can quite understand. So I think that's cool and as for me, you know, as you know, Deborah, I'm very new to the Sabbath keeping. So for me, it's a, a new thing, but, um, luckily, um, so far, you know, um, my husband's supportive. So for us, it's, it's pretty supportive. You know, um, I've been fortunate enough where my job has made it where, um, it's not an issue so i'm very fortunate that i'm set up for the success but i know for family and friends they don't understand it or get it but i'm hoping that they'll they'll see the blessings and the benefits that from keeping the sabbath and what what following and following god's commandments will do to someone when they can see the fruits of a person's lives
0: and that that's the another thing that i i wouldn't say that's a trial um But definitely something that I very much miss because I I mentioned that I have a big family. We're very, very close and I'm the only Sabbath keeper in my family. So I do miss not singing in the choir with my brothers and sisters or, you know, going to church. I mean, when I visit them, I will go to church with them. But I mean, week to week, not sharing that with them and sharing the Sabbath experience with them. So I wouldn't say it's a trial, but definitely something that I miss. And I feel like it's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that I happily make because I think the blessings that I have received have been so much greater. So, unfortunately, my family works well with me. They don't, you know, they don't persecute me uh, because of the Sabbath or other things like that, so...
1: Uh, for me, I'm hoping that um, my parents will see the benefit or they'll be curious and they'll be like, hmm, what's this? Or, you know, see what, how, you know, the changed life and someone what, that will intrigue them. Because I, I know for me, I have a, a father who's an unbeliever and then I have a mother who is a Catholic. So very different um, completely. So I'm hoping, though, that they will see um, how how I, you know, seeing how my life was, because like, I was an unbeliever. So I do hope that they'll see the benefits of that. And that will be the the witnessing that the Lord will use to help them in their walk.
0: Right, exactly. There's no greater testimony than a transformed life. You know, Absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and for, I guess, the last question for this podcast is, what are the key takeaways that you would like a new Christian to know?
0: Oh, wow. Um, I can think of a lot, quite a few things. I think the main thing for me is really focusing on the relationship and seeing God, seeing his character, understanding his character to the best that our limited minds can, understanding his character through reading the word, through just walking with him from day to day. Because I think the more that we can see God the more you will automatically love him. I mean, you would almost have to be, I can't even imagine that when someone sees God for who he really is, that they wouldn't be drawn. Uh, But I think a big problem is that people have so many misunderstandings about who God is and what his character is like. And I think partly maybe that's because of Christians and the way we sometimes represent him or misrepresent him. I should say, but um, I think the more we can really see God, the more we will love him and the more we will want to be with him uh, and, and follow him and know that we can trust following him, I think is one thing. Um, the other thing is getting to know him in prayer and talking to him like a friend, spending that time in, in prayer and Bible study. Um, when I was a kid growing up in, you know, African-American church, you know, they would always, you would always find these little old ladies who would say, you got to know the man, you know, and I have found that to be so true. You got to know him. And it's really more about knowing him than about the do's and the don'ts and, and all of this. It's more about that process of getting to know God. And once you follow that, you're following in that process, I want to know who he is. I want to walk with him all the do's and don'ts and stuff that it all takes care of itself and you'll find that there's nothing that you wouldn't give or give up to walk with it I mean so all of that stuff just of it's like a marriage you know Mm -hmm. the more that you just want to love your spouse you care a little you don't care so much about whether they ask you to make the bed in the morning or take out the trash those things just happen naturally because you're in a loving relationship you want to you know please the other person you want to uh, share that that time you don't want things that distract you from that time all of those things it just happens naturally
1: and I think that that's probably like uh, when you said that I immediately thought of what Jesus had said you know Mm -hmm. if you love me keep my commandments and I think he was really harping on the big thing here was that it does start with love if you are sincere and your heart's in the right place, the rest of it will work itself out. And the Lord, if you're spending time with him, um, cause I shared this, um, in my testimony, but, um, it was another one of those early lessons that I had to learn. It was kind of one of those like mistakes, but somebody who didn't know what they were doing. And I remember, um, when I first came to him, you know, re- it was a good advice that you brought is focusing on their relationship. I remember being like, how am I going to get right and do all these things? Because I don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. and I remember and I was praying to him and then he brought it to my attention that um, that was the first mistake I made because I was trying to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't, you know, I needed to put him first. And then when I focused on him, focus on him first and keep your eyes on him and then everything else will work itself out and i noticed that when i put him first whether it was prayer and word those following the commandments or sinning all that the things i used to do it it I realized I wasn't doing them anymore. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. It just naturally happened because my focus became, I was more inclined of like, oh, I'm interested in this. My interests and my desires became what he wanted for me because he was changing the heart.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that changed because I he became my focus. And so like you said, you know, if you put that relationship first, it does create, it's completely different. But if you're focusing on the wall, and you're just focusing on the law and not focusing on the relationship, yes, it becomes quite, I would say it it does feel like kind of like a stumbling block. And I, I feel like it can feel burdensome, but if you focus on Jesus, like in the storm where you focus on Jesus and you are in God, the father, and you focus in those prayers, it's amazing how you'll realize that you'll naturally and I'm not saying it's going to be, sometimes it's hard, but he'll bring to light, you know, your blind spots too. But I think it's like, there'll be areas where he will help you through it. I don't think it's, uh, you'll be surprised. I think most people, they, they think it's like, I have to do all of this. And it's amazing. He bring, you know, he works with you and it's amazing how he changes you quite. It's made, he'll change your desires. I've just known that in me, like I've, who I was before is not the person I am today in almost two years. So it's, you know, a different person. I think that's, you know, how he is. He he is, if you're sincere with you, he, he knows it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I think in those times where he does show you something that's getting in the way of the relationship, I'm often reminding myself that God wants to have a relationship with me far more than I'm willing to surrender. I mean, That he wants to save me more than I want. I mean, so he's so willing to work with even the least in, intention toward him. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to work with us. His grace is sufficient. And so that is always helpful to me to remember is that God is for me. He's not against me. And it's not that I'm trying to satisfy him so that he will love me. He loves me. And he is so willing to try to help with any issue that is causing any kind of separation. He wants to help remove those things. So it's, it's not on me to do that. He wants to help me with that. So that makes it easier, I think, for me to... To not get so wrapped up in the do's and don'ts. And and also remembering that God has done so much. I mean, He sent the prophets, He's done, you know, He sent His own Son, He sends the Holy Spirit to remind us every day. I mean, He does so much to save us that when you really begin to think about it, it's almost hard to be lost. It's almost, I mean, He's trying everything to get our attention to to woo us and to show us how much he loves us. Um, And I think so many people don't see God that way. And to me, I think it's, that's his real character is he wants, he is all about restoring relationships and building relationships, not about pushing people away until they can meet his criteria. I mean, that is so far and that
1: and you hit it on the point is knowing who his true character is and for me that was um learning who his true character was and when you can recognize who his true character is is you know that he is a truly loving god he is not this person that people make him out to be he's not you know all these things you know where people say oh he's a tyrant you know he has he's, he's so impossible and And I was like, no, those are the lies that the great deceiver has placed through doctrines to deceive you. Once you know the true character of God, you realize that he's very loving and he's long suffering and he's doing, he's working so hard to save all of us.
0: Exactly. He wants that way more than we do, to be honest. And that, you know, I think just, understanding that that he has our best interests at heart makes it easy. It makes it much easier to submit. I mean, yes, we are still human and we still exert our own will sometimes. (laughs) At least I'll speak for myself. I do (laughs) sometimes and I'll want to figure it out for myself, but really thinking about the heart of God that he wants what's best for me and I can trust his good intentions. If I can ever focus on that fact, then I'll remember that I need to listen because it'll turn out better in the long run if I listen rather than trying to do it my, my own way.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, Deborah, you know, I appreciate you taking, you know, this time to share your story as well as all the good advice that you have for those that will listen and be blessed by your message. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we, uh, Give it a night and a go for everyone, or is there anything else that you would like to share with any no, of the viewers?
0: I think um, the main thing is, is just realizing that it's harder to be lost than it is to be saved when we'll just open our hearts to, to Jesus. It's harder to be lost because, again, he, he will draw, he, his character is so compelling that it's harder to be lost uh, once you really are open to seeing who he is and, and he, hearing uh, who he is and following him. And so the, the, the bottom line is just stop fighting him, <laughs> stop fighting and let him love you. That's really all he wants is to let, let him love us.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, Deborah. So I appreciate it. So thank you. I appreciate the time. Always good to talk to
0: you. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.